Hello and welcome to our sports podcast Turning Point on NDTV with me Rika Roy where we chat with some of our shining stars as well as men and women behind them the turning points the highs and the lows that are driving India's dream of becoming a sporting nation This week we zoom in on rugby and its road to the 2028 Los Angeles Games So what is common between the sports of kho kho hockey football and rugby in India These are four sports that have been supported by the state of Odisha rugby its youngest child with grand dreams and these dreams are sown by none other than former rugby international actor Rahul Bose now a board member with the Indian Rugby Football Union or uh, Rugby India Rahul thank you very very much for joining me on the podcast turning point to talk about rugby rugby 360 degree as you call so let's open by asking you what is rugby 360 degree uh this is something that during the pandemic all of us at rugby india began to think about where we wanted the sport to go and by when we wanted the sport to go where we wanted it to go and we uh, made uh, many many different plans and uh, finally fructified and solidified on one plan no matter which plan we were going to use rika it was always going to be a plan that had the player at the heart of everything because it is my firm belief that if you invest in the player emotionally financially materially skill wise psychologically automatically the performance on the field looks after itself the difference between a player who plays uh you know with a sense of uh, self pride or a sense of uh, competitiveness is different from a happy player who plays with the same qualities but all these qualities are further enhanced with a sense of purpose so in any walk of life if you give someone a sense of purpose uh, he or she will walk to the end of the earth with you it doesn't mm-hmm. it, it doesn't hinge on money it doesn't hinge on uh, prospects for the future it hinges on a much larger sense So given that we decided that if we are going to put players at the very heart of everything we do what then does rugby 360 mean and the phrase was coined when we decided that everywhere a player looks there will be support mm-hmm. so uh let me give you a small example uh today if a player needs to come to camp earlier we didn't have the money beyond the second class ac train fare now it goes all the way up to f mm-hmm. when a person earlier when a player came to camp uh, they would have they would face certain dietary problems they would face certain uh, uh, nutrition and hydration problems today that's gone we've tied up with a company called fast enough that looks after our nutrition and hydration needs whether it is vitamin c magnesium zinc uh, multivitamin fizzy tablets whether it is whey protein creatine bcaa any of that stuff I have sat and eaten the food that is going to be served to the athletes at every meal uh, at the KIIT campus who are our associate sponsors and have been and have believed in rugby india for the last 15 years I've sat and eaten those meals to see uh, is it too spicy is it not too spicy am I overreacting what do the players think all of that mm-hmm. when a player comes into camp today 
they get a care package and the care package is something that sounds so fundamental and forgettable but not for players who haven't had it before not for players who invariably uh, have had to bring these things themselves so there are for example there are two sets of uh, towels uh, to, mm. to bathe uh, two sets of hand towel to take to the training ground uh, toothpaste toothbrush uh, uh, mosquito spray mm. sanitizer spray masks uh, you know shampoo you name it uh, female hygiene products that are under 18 girls and our women will need mm. so it's not so much the money that's being spent rika it is the thought behind the fact that these this is how i would like to be treated you know when i played for very empathetic very very yes. empathetic i must say and it's it's not only that i think that uh, this is the first time in history that the indian rugby football union has uh, hired a former female rugby international to be the 24/7 caregiver for all mm-hmm. the girls or the women at camp there are many issues that women face that they might not be able to tell what is still now an all male indian rugby board and that's going to change very soon but right now it is all male and there are many things that they might not be able to say to the ceo or to the team or to the rugby board or to the rugby mm-hmm. development board officials so there is now a caregiver who they can talk to about anything 24/7 Uh, she also has another assistant who's also a woman. Mhm. The therapist of the Indian under 18 girls uh, team that is now at camp in Bhubaneswar is a captain is the captain of the Indian women's team. Babis Barucha is a qualified physiotherapist. Right. So you know it is all of these things we got. Mm-hmm. Now let me get on to the larger scale, the larger picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm heading the sponsorship committee. So right. uh, once I got on to the committee we acknowledged our gratitude to our current sponsors. that mm-hmm. is associated general who've been with us for the last 7 years world rugby of course that gives us an, an endowment every year mm-hmm. uh, but we also created partnerships with odisha state mm-hmm. with uh, a, a, a small entrepreneurial company called blade also based mm-hmm. in odisha with a very very idealistic young entrepreneur uh, karan singh who uh, wanted to support the sport we have a tie up with kiit and of course kiss i mean dr samantha has i cannot even mm. begin to articulate the kind of support they have given us but now there's a mm. formal associate sponsorship it's their mm. logo on the rugby shorts of the indian national team it is mm-hmm. odisha state's logo on the back of the jerseys it is blades logo on the front of the jersey you know it is got societe general so what we've tried to do through our sponsors mm. is create enough money mm-hmm. and enough a uh, 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 right amount of funds to carry out rugby 360 right. let me tell you for the first time in our history for the first time in our history players mm-hmm. are going to be paid not just for games that they represent india and riga they're mm-hmm. going to be paid for every single day of the camp that they attend so mm-hmm. it's not much money it's not much money but a player who attends four weeks of camp and goes into the tournament and finishes the tournament and comes out will make about 40 40 lovely so it is a start it's mm-hmm. a start for us to ensure that every player feels looked after enough to never leave the sport of mm-hmm. course there is the issue of jobs there is the issue of reservations for college if you do well in your state or your country uh, in the mm-hmm. sport there is an issue for reservation of seats perhaps in some schools 
So we've started those processes respectively with all the states because each state has a different policy. Given that, Now, I should also hmm. like to reiterate that the government of India, the central government, hmm. uh, last year uh, increased the funding they were giving us uh, four times because they really believed in our vision of where hmm. we want to take drug dealership. That's very interesting, Rahul. Since we are on the program turning point, uh, it's very interesting for me to find out from you how did an essentially, you know, club-owned boarding school rugby become a mass sport? What was the turning point? I would say the turning point was where the Tag Rugby Trust went to Odisha and, uh, on a very informal but passionate basis, began to teach the tribal kids. Um, rugby, mm-hmm. and at that point of time, they uh, after two years of uh, playing with these kids, uh, the boys of this uh, of KISS Kalinga Institute of Social Sciences went to I think France to play a inter NGO kind of World Junior Rugby tournament, and they won it. When they came back, Rugby India realized that this was something that was begging to be looked at. And that's mm-hmm. when a an organized thrust into teaching rugby at KISS started with, uh, with Dr. Samantha. And once that started, and once the tribal kids began to play, and once these tribal kids began to really, really display their stamina, their tenacity, their mm-hmm. willingness to not lose, after they they displayed all of that, we realized what a grassroots sport. This could be. Couple that with the rise of television and the EPL and tennis and chess and all these other wonderful sports, and we realize that most parents, current generation parents who come from a socio-economically upscale background, would mm-hmm. not want their children to be at physical harm in a sport that has zero hope of a financial future. Mm-hmm. So we said, fine. Then we have to go to the grassroots, and this is all in my absence. I was playing for India till 2009, so what did I know about all this? The yeah. grassroots initiative started, and so today you have us having access to 300 tribal schools in Telangana. You have mm-hmm. us having access to children from socio-economically underprivileged backgrounds in Odisha, in Chhattisgarh, in Bengal. Uh, I must mention the Jungle Crows are doing some wonderful work mm-hmm. in Bengal. So we have uh, Maharashtra has a History of uh, uh, sports persons coming out of tribal backgrounds—that that is something waiting to be tapped. We are right now on the threshold of a very exciting initiative with the government of Maharashtra, where the numbers will go through the roof. Societe Generale sponsors a world rugby initiative called Get Into Rugby, which basically okay. means get children playing, not tackle mm-hmm. rugby, touch rugby. Get them playing, and if they don't play after a couple of times, that's fine. But let's get them into rugby. And last year, not last year because of pandemic, the year before that, the country that racked up the largest numbers of getting children into rugby in the world was India. So I can tell you this: two things. Mm-hmm. Rugby today is played by people like me, maybe one percent of the population. That's playing rugby in 275 districts across 730 districts in India, and rugby is the largest, least known sport in this country because it's not on television, but it's played 
you will be will be amazed to see the teams from kolhapur and the teams from saraswatipur and the teams from uh, jharkhand and the teams from odisha and the teams from haryana and delhi and kashmir playing the sport in a way that you could never imagine i could never imagine 10 years ago it's interesting uh, rahul and i think it's appropriate for me to mention to my listeners here that almost 80000 players today in all age groups uh, play rugby across length and breadth of india now rahul you mentioned about you know government of india increasing your funding four times uh, after you gave them that presentation there must be for them it must be also one of those key sports which they then expect uh, is going to get them some returns and uh, my understanding is that you are looking at los angeles 2028 right first of all the government of india has not put any conditions to okay. uh we used to get a, a small but decent purse earlier and now we get a slightly bigger and more decent purse this is not the purse that they give what is called category 1 sports which mm-hmm. is a, uh, which is priority you know mm-hmm. the high priority sports which are olympic medical sports so right now our girls are ranked 9th in asia our uh, men are ranked 13th to get into the olympics you have to be in the top 32 uh, worldwide our girls are ranked in the middle 40s our men are ranked in the early 80s or the late 70s so this is going to be a hard climb but we have created a plan that we presented to government of india over the next uh, 18 months which take us into the summer of 2028 whereby our uh, if all things will go well our women will make it and our men stand a very good chance what's really important here in what i call the road to the olympics is that the road has been built in the correct way right where if you look at our under 18 girls today rika they are 17 years old in 7 years from now they will be at the peak of their rugby playing careers they'll be 24 the question is the cohort the nucleus we build right now of this team that will go to uzbekistan in less than 3 weeks from now will this nucleus stay on for 7 years what will we do to make them stay on for 7 years what will we tell the parents what will we do financially what will we do education wise what will we do psychosocially to make sure that the parents buy in that they 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 their familial ecosystem buys in to the fact mm-hmm. that this is why it's so important so you mm-hmm. know we have a lot of work to do all mm-hmm. i can say is that it will be the most sensitively and the most passionately run federation in this country rahul um, what i also understand that uh, this is uh, rugby is one of the most gender evolved sports in the country today while india is looking at um, you know 50 50 50 50% men 50% women participation in paris games and going forward to have gender equity perhaps rugby is one of those sport that uh, you know can help india see the future of olympic games You know, for us, it started very organically. Um, how many times have we seen the national tournament of any sport happening differently for men and differently for women? It's only now I'm very happy in the last four or five years that you can have, you can see the same tournament being played on the, with the same grounds, with the same crowds, with the same facilities for men and women. But it still doesn't happen in the majority. Whereas for us, when we started women's rugby, we had it. 10 minutes after the men's match or 10 minutes before the men's match there was no 
it was the same crowd it was the same facilities it was the same jerseys it was the same kit it was the same referees it was the same uh, you know uh, medical facilities everything was the same and that culture has not dropped for a second because for us it's like breathing it, mm. there is no difference i mean mm-hmm. in fact today our girls are ranked higher than our men for many factors and i don't want to put the men's uh, passion or their skill down it's not because of that it was before mm-hmm. the women started playing the women only started playing seven eight years ago mm-hmm. so the it is ingrained in our culture that a player is a player no matter what the gender a player is a player so when we look at as i told you about you know in our camp we have a 24 by 7 caregiver we have you know certain products that are given to uh, the caregiver to say that look whoever needs this we understand biological needs it is and if there's anything that we don't know and there's a lot we don't know we are men so there's a lot we don't know do let us know whether it's psychological whether it's emotional do not forget rika when we start getting into the ecosystem of the parents and the children back home mm-hmm. it's a very very different world for girls mm-hmm. some of these girls had to fight to wear shorts to play rugby some of these girls had to fight yes i mean mm-hmm. i can tell you stories that your podcast will go on for 3 hours i can tell you <laughs> stories of girls who have had to i just met a girl from a, from a scheduled caste from a rural was from an urban poor locality mm-hmm. in delhi not outside in the you know wilderness of hinterland india but in mm-hmm. delhi where she said to get to camp she had to uh, she had to fight she had to fight uh, her father and the elder male relatives to get out of the house and get to camp in bhubaneswar wow mm-hmm. so you know we have to factor in the realities mm-hmm. of india and there are many mm-hmm. different indias i understand that too but the realities the worst realities of india when we are looking specifically at our girls it's not just income it's patriarchy it's misogyny it's fear it's orthodoxy it's all of that stuff so in that way i think i'm i'm pretty well placed to be mm-hmm. in on the board of a sport like this because i bring to it a lens that while my fellow board members don't lack empathy they mm-hmm. might not have the engagement and the experience that i've had working on gender for the last two decades so i'm not saying i'm the, I'm, i'm the oracle or i'm the all knowing person when mm-hmm. it comes to gender but certainly more than you know people who just who have never been engaged in it in, a, in an active way so mm-hmm. that's the lens rika that i am very proud of uh sharpening on the indian rugby board and it will continue to get only sharper because more and more women are going to get on the board more and more mm. women are going to be in positions of power and uh, just last month when the indian rugby board had a meeting we actually laid down certain reservations and slots for women that uh, no other sport has done and we were we are determined to carry it out in our next elections you know and our in, in the districts in the states we are constantly you know one one of the uh, male members of the board said look if there aren't good enough women what do we do and i said that's an argument that cannot hold water you have to create positions and force women to step up and take those positions mm-hmm. because if you say there aren't enough women therefore there will be no positions women will never aspire to those positions so i said if you so, do not create positions and insist it's never going to happen it'll be chicken and egg this is the same mm-hmm. uh, argument that a lot of people have in other walks of life in the world you know in mm-hmm. terms of how do we give it because the right women are not you know they're not qualified enough and mm-hmm. 
I keep talking to them the difference between equality and equity. Equality mm-hmm. suggests that everyone starts from a level playing field. Equity mm-hmm. recognizes that nobody is on the same level playing field. And right. you need to first level that field before you start looking at Rahul, let's talk a little bit about your own journey. You have passionately loved the sport. You have played till 2009. Uh, that means uh, at least nine years you've played rugby for India. Now, for the last uh, year, you've been dedicating four hours a day every day to the sport. You've traveled 15 states, elections around the corner. Where does it take you from here? And how much time does it leave you for your other things like acting. So, I'm writing a new film, which I'll be directing in January or February. Um, I have three series. I've accepted one. I'm looking at the other two that I'll be acting in from October onwards. I have just released a series in Bengali. Another series that I've done is releasing in January on one of the top OTT channels in English. I run and have founded two NGOs, one dedicated to child sexual abuse and the other to the the equalization of opportunity and development through education of children from Kashmir, Manipur and the Andamans. And now there is rugby in my life at an administrative level. And there there was never any time and there never will be. But magically what happens, Rika, and there will be so many of your listeners who resonate with what I'm saying, when you find something else that you want to do, let's say I fell in love tomorrow. Do you think I wouldn't make the time to spend with my beloved? I wouldn't go out for dinner. I wouldn't go for movies. We wouldn't just spend the whole evening chatting. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that time is magical. It expands when you love to do things and it contracts when you hate to do things. How many times have we said we just don't have time for this? But in actuality, we don't really want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I like this to appetite. When you are at the buffet that has palak, karela mm-hmm. and turai, you might not mm-hmm. be that hungry. But mm-hmm. when you are at a buffet that has chocolate cake, chocolate mousse and chocolate ice cream, bring it on. So right. you know, time has expanded magically in my life uh, in the last 8-9 months to accommodate this sport. And going forward, I know that this is what I would like to leave. Legacy is being very pompous. I would like to leave a memory that, okay, you know, this guy played not for nine years, by the way, but for 11 years for India. And then he did this for maybe mm. five or 10 or 11 or 15 years. Uh, and and a few things that they might not even remember that I had instituted, but that helped in bringing a mental smile to the players heart, you know, that I think is for me, uh, this sport has given me so much, guys. It's taught me to lose. I hated losing. Who loves losing? It taught, it's taught me to be a team player. I am still instinctively an individualist. It's taught me to lose my fears, which I didn't have many of, but whatever remaining fears I had, rugby beat it out of me. Uh, it's taught me to hold hold my anger in my heart and not get, not let it get into my head when I'm playing. It's taught me to do my work as well as I can and then look to help others. That's what you have to do on the field. You know, it's taught me some fundamental ways of being. And when, when somebody hurls their body between you and imminent danger, 
in the middle of a game when he doesn't need to then that's a friend for life it's giving me my friends also it's a it's an extraordinary it's an ex- extraordinary sensation i think comparisons with war and battle and all of that stuff as you know that's a different level of um, commitment but you know this is a very very violent and rough game and when you're in the trenches with uh, with with people who look out for you you know you you, you those 80 minutes teach you a lot about life and uh, i've had that beautiful pleasure hundreds and hundreds of times in my life Rahul you surely are leaving a stamp on the spot with your empathy as an administrator um and may indian rugby hold your hands and grow from strength to strength and leap to olympics in 2028 thank you very much for joining me on turning point